The Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Rob McConnell's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Exxon Radio Show or endorsed in any manner by Rob McConnell, Relmar McConnell Media Company, the Exxon Broadcast Network, its affiliated networks, stations, employees, or advertisers. Welcome to the X-Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. Explanation. My guest this hour is Bradley Lockerman, and he's best known for his work as a contract player with the CBS daytime series Capital, which was for five years, and ABC's long-running General Hospital for 15 years. He has been seen in Dumb and Dumber, The Naked Gun, 33 and a Third, and while serving as a board member with LACES, that's Los Angeles County Epilepsy Society, Brad directed and co-produced the short film A Very Special You. In the past, Brad was a volunteer with the LAPD, the Los Angeles Police Department, serving as a part-time counselor to troubled youth. He was a member of the Park Advisory Board for the Westwood Recreation Complex for many years, and 25 years officiated uh, officiated youth basketball games throughout Los Angeles. Brad created BKL Films and Keepers of the Earth, LLC, for the purpose of bringing the John Searles Story DVD to the marketplace and is credited as a writer, director, and executive producer. Joining me now is Bradley Lockerman. Bradley, welcome to the Exxon. Hello, Rob. Great to be here. Great having you here, Brad. How did you get involved with the John Searles story? Well, I I was up in uh, Estes Park, Colorado, with the uh, Dumb and Dumber crew, uh, Mm -hmm. the Farrelly brothers and Jim Carrey, and I had a day off shooting, and I thought, well, I'll go for a jog, and... That was a mistake because of the altitude. I, I almost keeled over. So I went in the lobby, and I was looking around the Stanley Hotel, and a man stepped up behind me, tapped me on the shoulder, and introduced himself, began to tell me a story. And he was this uh, uh, little British fellow with sparkle in his eyes, uh, deep uh, sky blue eyes, and he told me a story about a generator that flies. And... After 35 minutes, Rob, the only thing I could muster to say is, you're a movie. And Mm -hmm. it just struck me that even if everything he just told me was some kind of of a dream or altered state, that this man has the wildest story I have ever heard. Do you believe it? You know... I have been around it long enough and have a relationship with John Searle that is such I have seen uh, magnets perform in ways that are stunning. I have seen uh, a round magnet travel around another round magnet and continue to travel. One of the things that the scientist said is impossible. I have seen that he prints his magnetic fields with a sine wave pattern that is there that the scientists say cannot be there. These two items alone are enough to say that John Searle 
did something extraordinary. Explanation. This hour is going to be truly amazing. We have to take a two-minute commercial break here, Bradley. When we come back, more of the John Searle story. www.johnsearlestory.com is the website. That's J-O-H-N-S-E-A-R-L-S-T-O-R-Y.com. My name is Rob McConnell. This is the Exxon. We're coming to you from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, on the all-new Exxon Broadcast Network and the Talkstar Radio Network. 1-800-610-7035 is toll-free. Exxon at exxonradiotv.com is our email address. And our website, www.exxonradiotv.com. I'll be back on the other side of this commercial break as we continue. Right here on the in the X Zone. Don't go away. Take a step back in time and discover old Florida cuisine at Marsh Landing Restaurant in Felsmere. Enjoy delicacies such as frog legs, gator tail, catfish, and swamp cabbage, or enjoy the more traditional cuisine like hand-cut Angus steaks, ribs, and seafood. Join us for breakfast with a southern flair featuring sweet potato pancakes, biscuits and gravy, and much more. Planning a party? Marsh Landing's private dining room can accommodate groups from 8 to 80 people. While you're visiting, enjoy the historic pictures, artifacts, and stories that line the walls. Marsh Landing is truly a unique experience. Marsh Landing Restaurant, 44 North Broadway in historic Felsmere, or visit marshlandingrestaurant.com. Marsh Landing, old Florida cuisine at its best. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. Are you interested in the paranormal, ghosts, UFOs, or psychic phenomenon? Join me, Tim Bartley, co-host of Talking to Spirits with Lightworkers Tim and Justina, coming mid-January 2017 to the XZBN. We will channel spirits live and talk to them, revealing all kinds of amazing information. Spiritual attachments will be found and removed on the show, and so much more. To find out when you can listen to Talking to Spirits with Lightworkers Tim and Justina, visit www.xzbn.net for listeners on both sides of the veil.
John Searle is uh, is the story that we're talking about. My guest this hour is Bradley Lockerman. And uh, Bradley, let me let me start off by asking you, who is John Searle? John Searle, Rob, is the inventor of the Searle Effect Generator, the SEG. Uh, he was born in 1932 in Wantage, England, to a very uh, poor um, workhouse. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had a lot of trouble as, a, as an infant. Uh, he suffered uh, uh, great uh, trouble as a child. He was beaten and, and kicked about. And Dr. Bernardo's Holmes, which is the uh, British equivalent of uh, child safety at that time, came in and took him away from his parents and put him in schools and homes. So he was essentially raised as a foster child. And the beatings he suffered caused him to lose his hearing. The bones inside his ears were destroyed from uh, impact uh, on his head. Now, they thought he was uh, uh, slow or, or uh, uh, developmentally um, uh, behind most of the kids when, in fact, he just couldn't hear. And so he went through school. It was rather tough. He, he couldn't read. He couldn't uh, do simple numbers or, or addition and subtraction. But when he finally caught on in his secondary school, he had enough of an education where he could go out and be placed into a job. That job was in 1946 at uh, British Rewinds, which was a factory that essentially reproduced and refurbished electric motors and electric generators. So he was working with magnets and coils and these kinds of things at that age. In 1946, he thought because of a series of dreams he had as a child, he began to connect his dreams to an active invention, and that invention was a new structure of generator device, and it became the SEG. His first experience in 1946 was uh, building his SEG, magnetizing it, rollers around what he calls the plate or the ring, and you can see that in the film, a mock-up demonstration. And this thing overloaded. It became so electrified that it overloaded, and it lifted off the kitchen table and crunched into the ceiling in front of himself and his landlady. And he thought, well, that's a stupid thing, and he tried to grab it physically with his hands and bring it down, but he noticed it had gone superconductor. It turned into a block of ice, nearly four Kelvin in temperature, so his hands stuck to it, and uh, the landlady had to jam something inside of it to stop it from running. It crashed down. Well, he refurbished that unit, refired it up, and he was advised to put weight on it, to uh, bolt it down, hold it down, put some weight on it, lead weighting. And he revved this thing up again. Well, instead of lifting gently, it now had uh, twice the kinetic energy because of the weight, and it blasted through his ceiling and up above the house. Now, in the film, you see we visit the location of this home, and it was destroyed in 1946, and we have Searle in front of the location, and and he says rather amusingly, well, you know, the house is gone. I destroyed it. And they took him down to the police station and uh, gave him a few nights in the can for uh, destroying a home. Unreal. Unreal. Yeah. It's a a mind-bender, Rob. So he moves forward a few years, and uh, he meets a man that uh, is dying of cancer. 
And the man that's dying of cancer takes a liking to him and says, uh, he, he's rather well-to-do, and he says, John, if you can make people look up into the sky because they're always looking down, their heads are down, I will pay the cost of doing it. So he calls his son in, his real son, and he says, take John down and get him the tools he needs and the materials and everything else and let him build this thing he's been talking about. And John Searle proceeds to build six more, and they're about three feet in diameter, and he builds six more of these devices that each behave in the same way. They rev them up, they get to a certain speed, there's an ozone smell, and there's this electronic activity, and it's, develop it's developing uh, hundreds of thousands of volts at the rim, and then they, they lift to about 60 feet, and he says it'll change, it'll start to glow, it'll go from pink to green to white, and then they shoot off. And I asked him about this when, he first, uh, when I first became involved in telling the story, and I asked him flat out, I said, John, where'd they go? And he would point up, he said, that away. And I said, what do you mean, where? He said, that away. <laughs> they went that away. And he's pointing directly up. I said, where are they? He said, don't know. They're just, as far as he knows, they're still going from four decades ago. Wherever they are, they're still going. So he builds that first one, then he builds six more, and it's at this time in the late 50s that he realizes there are ways to control what's going on, and that has to do with uh, frequency and exposure to different wavelengths, which he noticed uh, certain exposure to different wavelengths would cause the rollers to slow down. So he developed a way to control this. But Searle, not being a trained uh, uh, physicist or scientist or anything like that, he didn't invent something to achieve a goal. He invented something and then explored what it does. And that's a key difference, I think, with inventors. Rather than throw it away, he said, okay, it wants to fly, let's build a body. Let's put a body around it and let it fly and see what happens. Is it possible what we are being told are actually UFOs have a John Searle connection? Well, that, that's a question that comes up a great deal. Uh, throughout Searle's life, he's been approached and said, uh, you know, we, we think that you've tapped in, whether it was from your dreams as a child, mm -hmm. that perhaps your dreams were planted in your mind so that you would come upon this and it would be an invention of, of a human being, or uh, that you stumbled onto this and it happened to do what it does and you were successful in exploring uh, the experiment of an SEG. Uh, so it's a, it's a total mind-bender, Rob. The, the story is so broad and so astounding. Now, it, it happens that uh, the many times that I was over in the U.K. exploring the story and looking for witnesses and looking for uh, uh, documents and uh, newspaper, and we find a lot of that stuff. You'll see it in the film. Uh, you'll see newspaper articles that pose the question, can saucers really fly? And then they talk about John Searle. Now, here's a guy... Uh, through the late 50s and the 1960s up until 1972, who is flying a levity disc around the southwest of England in the Warminster area. And he's experimenting with this and actually frightening people. I would imagine so. 
Well, there's a particular piece uh, on a short preview, and I think you can find it on our uh, Facebook location, where we recently discovered a piece of footage, two police constables, now very believable police constables. It's, it's hard to doubt their word. They're paid to tell the truth. And uh, Constable Willie says, this is what it looked like, and he draws a picture. Now, it's an identical picture of a Searle levity disc. And his partner, uh, the other police constable, is saying, yeah, well, we got in the car and we chased it. Now, this is in Warminster right around the 1960s. Now, when we got the piece of footage, I called Searle, and I said, John, uh, we've come across a piece of footage uh, from your past. And before I could get anything out, he says, oh, you mean the cops? And I said, yeah, the cops. What do you know about the cops? He said, yeah, we, 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 we chased the cops, and then they got in their car, and they chased it for quite a while. We had a lot of fun with them. <laughs> And meanwhile, at the same time, and you'll see this in that short piece of footage uh, on John Searle Story Facebook, uh, you'll see a uh, town hall meeting in Warminster. Now, Warminster at the time was saying, uh, how many people are afraid of the thing? Now, in the late 60s, you had a great big amount of UFO stories coming out of Warminster saying they've been plagued by this flying disc and this flying disc is bothering everybody, and everybody is seeing it, and it became the Warminster Mysteries, it became the Warminster Thing. Well, at the same time, over on Cookham Hill, John Searle is flying his levity disc all over the place in the same neighborhood. Coincidence? I don't think so. I don't think so. <laughs> Are there any of these levity discs around? Around? Well, the last one that he built uh, in the 70s, uh, he called his Demo 1. The Demo 1 project was the final project to get everybody to say, okay, there it is, uh, uh, it's Searle's device, we all see it, and it's going to fly. Uh, at this time, all of the activity that had come through the 50s and the 60s was such that governments were aware of him, the uh, Aldermaston Atomic Works in Great Britain was aware of him. Scientists were aware of him. He used to hold uh, meetings at St. John's Hall, and we visit St. John's Hall in the film. I take Searle there, and I ask him to describe. He would have 400-plus people uh, attending his Sunday meetings. He called them his Sunday meetings and shows, where he would demonstrate the Searle device. And he'd have press, and he'd have scientists, and he'd have regular folks, and he'd tell them this is what we're doing. So the press and everybody was aware. There was a change in the between the early 70s and the late 70s. And we're not certain why the change uh, happened, but we can speculate. Uh, he had parked a levity disc near Blackbush Black Airport. Now, parked, I mean he puts it in the sky and he parks it, and it just sits there in a sky at a certain altitude, certain place, and it just parked, and it's sitting there. Well, Blackbush Airport got upset because it's generating so much electricity that it's interfering with radio communications, and they knew it was Searle. They call him up and say, could you move your disc? You're interfering with radio communications. The planes can't land. And the press got a hold of that and called Searle and said, did Blackbush just call you and ask you to move the disc? He said, yeah, we've moved it. Well, we're going to put that in the paper. And John said, well, okay, I'm going to get the paper. He gets the paper, 
And the paper, in a strange way, says UFO blocking Blackbush Airport. It Stand. doesn't say Searle Disk. It doesn't say Searle Device. It suddenly started to say UFO. All right, stand by, Bradley. You and I have to take our commercial break with the news. We'll be back on the other side as we continue from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, on the Exxon Broadcast Network. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. Welcome back, everyone. Bradley Lockerman is our special guest. And we're talking about the John Searle story. And, and I must tell you, this is one of the most interesting stories that I've heard. And it's a wonder with all the all the hype that he has been getting elsewhere around the world that it hasn't trickled into the North American market. And when we last left off, uh, Bradley, we were talking about how an event at an airport was actually reported in a newspaper as a UFO and did not tell the uh, the true story. Does this happen often yeah. in, in his life? Yes, Rob. It's very interesting that the earlier part of the chronology and the uh, documents and everything that we found uh, through the 50s and the 60s, uh, everyone was pretty much open uh, to this, you know, uh, clever fellow who was doing the things he was doing, and uh, he was open about it. He didn't try to hide anything, and he actually had a lot of fun, uh, you know, probably got himself into minor trouble here and there. But uh, the reports and the uh, news, so to speak, that was coming in did tend to alter uh, through the 70s. And it may be due to an event that occurred, uh, Searle talks about it in the film, where uh, they took the P-11. He uh, designated his craft uh, uh, P was an experimental uh, no people aboard. Uh, He was flying the P-11 and they brought it in, and they changed the plates, and they launched it. Well, unbeknownst to him, a television crew had saw them, and the TV crew went to the local radar station, uh, Air Force Base, this is all in southwest England, and said, do you have something on radar? And they said, no. Well, we just saw something, and it was very strange, and it came in, and these people did something with it and sent it away. 
Well, this garnered the attention of the Air Commodore of Great Britain in the 60s. So they waited a week, and they went back with the Air Commodore to this place and waited and said, if it was there, let's see if it comes back. Well, sure enough, it does. And Searle and uh, his uh, team uh, change the plates, bring it in, change the plates, and send it off again. Well, to hear t Searle tell the story, and you'll see this in the film, uh, the Air Commodore says, bring that back. He steps up to Searle, puts his hand on his shoulder, and says, uh, what are you doing here? What is that? And bring it back. And Searle says, well, it'll be back. It'll be back in uh, uh, a few days. It's ham radio programmed, by the way. Uh, we can get into that at some point if you like. But the Air Commodore, having seen it, uh, lays out a broadcast a week later. Actually, it was a few days later. Searle's at his home with a representative from Aldermaston Atomic Works, which is the Los Alamos of Great Britain, essentially. And uh, they hear this broadcast, news update, coming over the airwaves, saying, uh, people in Warminster, don't worry, it's not UFOs. It is the work of John Searle. And the Air Commodore begins to describe what he saw. Now, this, according to Searle, is broadcast all over. It's in Germany, it's in Australia, it's in New Zealand, where the Air Commodore says, once John Searle comes forward into the public, he will be ahead of the Americans, he will be ahead of the Russians, and they will all come to him for how he does it. Now, this was earth-shattering. So it's a question that we don't, you know, we can all speculate on why the press coverage starts to change afterwards, because a lot of dynamics are in play here. Now, uh, you and I can both remember, I think, in 1969 when Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin stepped on the moon, if you would have told me the following day that there's some guy in southwest England with flying discs or flying saucers, I would have said, yeah, I can believe that. We're walking on the moon. But why hasn't Are you there? Yeah, I'm just wondering why his technology isn't being used today. Being used today. The, the speculation is suppression. Uh, the change in the press. Why do they not say it's John Searle and his discs? But have you actually they, seen, have you, have you actually seen actually this seen disc perform what it's claiming to do? No, I have seen the evidence, the photos, uh, everything that you see in the film uh, is in there. But, uh, we but, have dug but, for with. Mm -hmm. I'm there, sorry, we have, we have. But there is no evidence. There, there well, is, there's. How come? Well, there's the evidence as far as it's presented in the film. The, you'll see the photos. You'll see uh, the uh, films that were shot. You'll see uh, uh, the witnesses that we were able to find. Uh, all of that is in there. And believe me, it, it is such a mind-bender that where you're standing right now is the same point of frustration that everyone, including myself, have. My goodness, this is, this is not just a mind-bender, this is an earth-shaker. Why don't we know about this? It almost parallels uh, Nikola Tesla's story. Bingo. Very good and very well said. We, we took the Nikola Tesla uh, situation from a point, and we tried to address it, and you'll see it in the film. We, we don't go for one side or the other in the film. We try to walk a nice straight line in between uh, both uh, skeptic and uh, uh, believer side, but we try to maintain 
a pretty steady line in between. It, physics prior to relativity was based on ether theory. And without getting too technical, nor sounding smarter than I am, uh, there was a branch of physics when uh, E equals MC square and Einsteinian relativity came into play. And all of physics took a turn and followed relativity, which of course leads to atomic bombs and nuclear reactors and everything else. Searle thought in the same way Tesla did, because Tesla right away said, this Einstein theory doesn't work at the quantum level. It's, it's essentially useless. Well, Tesla was vilified, Einstein was glorified, and we lost. Uh, the question is, what did we lose when we didn't listen to Tesla mm -hmm. way back when this fork in the road came? And so uh, it is uh, people like Searle that have pursued the Tesla line of thinking. Uh, you don't have to hit an atom with a hammer and explode it to get the power out. Searle's idea was let's take strong magnetic fields and influence the atomic structure. Let's pull it out with a magnetic field. And that's essentially how a Searle device works. He uses incredibly strong magnetic fields in a spinning structure that pulls electrons to the rim of the device. And those electrons can be used as electricity, because that's what electricity is, electrons. I'm sitting here listening, and I'm saying, this is, this is a fascinating story. But why hasn't the development of these mechanisms been pursued by the inventor? Well, it has, and it has up until that point in the 70s. It was in the late 70s that Searle was getting into trouble regarding uh, people that were ostensibly part of his team. Uh, they were also parts of... Uh, others that were investigating, mm -hmm. uh, and I say others in quotes, whether it was uh, uh, people from the men in black or the, or the governments uh, pushing people in to see what Searle was really doing. Um, he couldn't trust a lot of the people that were with him. At the same time, uh, he had spent so much time building and developing his device, he had trouble at home with his family and his kids, and it came into the late 1970s and early 80s when he was powering his home from a Searle Effect generator. And he could switch off from the grid and onto his SEG. Now, the power company would see that his lights were still on. And so there was a battle ensuing as to what Searle was really doing. And, of course, a law case came up. And they arrested Searle. And they put him on trial for uh, essentially stealing power mm -hmm. and uh, for some other uh, minor charges because of the battle that was going on back and forth. Well, Searle has a, uh, not quite a victory, but he's not thrown in prison for too very long. And at this point, his family's destroyed. No one's believing him anymore. Uh, he's lost his materials, uh, all of his research, uh, was confiscated and burned and destroyed. So he literally, and you'll see this in the film, he literally walks away from his family, his home, and he walks. But all he like, would have had to do, all he would have had to do at that time is, is say, this is what I've been using to power my house. Why didn't he just, oh, sure. why didn't he just do well, that? I'm sorry, uh, Rob, but yes, he did. He was very open about it. Come on, come in and see it. And? 
and he and he was negotiating deals with investors that were coming in and and he would show and uh he would flip the switch mm-hmm. and you'll see in the film a particular witness um Richard Veer Compton you'll see him in the film he was there at this time I found this guy and I said would you come on camera he said he would and uh there's a nice piece of film of Richard Veer Compton who was there and he saw the switching now Veer Compton says if you switch from one load to a different load, uh, you should notice a blink or a dip or anything else. He noticed nothing. All he saw was the lights were on, John flips a switch, and the lights are still on. Now, does that mean that the Searle effect generator is working? Or does that mean that John was doing something to make people think he was switching over? Veer Compton couldn't come to a conclusion. And you'll see that in the film. <laughs> But essentially what's happened here is at this time, uh, trouble is brewing around Searle. Now, do they, do they want to shut him down? You know, the, the euphemistic uh, they in quotes. Uh, do they want to mock him and ridicule him and push him out? Do they want to uh, take his SEG? Because that's what happened in the court case. They're sitting in court, and uh, John said, well, we'd like to produce the SEG and show it to you. Well, the power company came in, they cut it out of the wall and took it. Well, where is it? Well, they just took it. Well, for, for them to win the case, all they have to do is bring the SEG into court, show that it does not work, mm-hmm. and Searle's going to be convicted. Well, they don't do that. They don't bring it into court. They let Searle go. But, now, why, but why didn't Searle just build another one, bring it into court, show the court that it did work? Ah, this is a man who's unjustly thrown in prison. This is a man whose family is uh, being destroyed. This is a man who's been ridiculed for some uh, four to six years at this time. This is a man who is no longer acknowledged as uh, John Searle and his disc. It's now everything is UFOs. This is a man who is being mocked, ridiculed, bashed, and battered in the late 70s and early 80s to the point where anyone who's human would have a breaking point. All right, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Is there any connection between John Searle and his electromagnetic machine, or whatever you want to call it, his his SEG and crop circles? Ah, Great question. It is not Searle that's doing it. I do know that, but uh, it's a great question in terms of um, the the energy that it would take to create those. Right now, Searle does not know if the SEG that they took from him was de-engineered or not. He he will tell you that it was not de-engineered because they cannot recreate the magnetic fields. That's the key to the Searle device. You have to print a specific magnetic field on the components of the SEG. Otherwise, it won't work. Now, he contends that no one can do that, that he can do that, and he's done that uh, so many times before. And the, the directions, the keys to that are in the law of the squares, which is a whole technical side of things. But as far as um, the crop circles, if it's uh, SEG or, or Searle technology that's creating crop circles, it is someone else using Searle's device 
and doing so, but not John Searle. Oh, because the timeline between the time that he was uh, he was very active to when the crop circles appeared seemed to be uh, more than a coincidence. Yes. Yeah, we like the word synchronicity these days. Uh, I I have been... I have been dumbfounded and and forced to rock back in my chair. My eyebrows go mm-hmm. to the top of my head. My jaw hits the ground so many times, <clears throat> pardon me, as I've been telling and studying this story over the years. Uh, it just stuns me. And, uh, yes, it's that's very similar and... and uh, a part of synchronicity, but I, it was not John Searle that did the uh, crop circles. If somebody's using Searle technology to do that, it is not him. All right, stand by. You and I have to take our final break for this hour. ExoNation, our very special guest is Bradley Lockerman. Here's the website to get a copy of this John Searle Story DVD. Story. Dot com. That's www.johnserlstory.com. I'll be back on the other side of this commercial break with Bradley Lockerman as we continue talking about John Searle here on the Exxon, live and around the world from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, on the Exxon Broadcast Network and the Talk Star Radio Network. Don't go away. Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Hi, I'm Larry Lawson, host of Paranormal Stakeout. With over 36 years in law enforcement, I have learned a few things. The most important is the proper gathering and preservation of evidence is vital to putting the bad guy behind bars. It's no different in the world of paranormal investigation, whether it's the search for the afterlife, cryptozoology, UFOs, and extraterrestrials. How we gather the evidence, preserve that evidence, and present it to a jury of our peers will make the ultimate difference in proving the existence of worlds and entities that are beyond our imagination. Join me, Larry Lawson, every week on Paranormal Stakeout when, along with my guests, we'll take a journey to prove with indisputable evidence what man has struggled to believe for centuries. Go to xzbn.net for the broadcast schedule and check me out at paranormalstakeout.com. healing must address four levels, physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual, for us to live joyful and productive lives. We tend to treat three of the four, leaving the spiritual languishing. If you're tired of the same dysfunctional patterns cropping up in your life, soul balancing is for you. 
Trixie Phelps, owner and founder of Soul Balancing, is a naturally gifted energy healer trained in numerous esoteric forms, including shamanism. Trixie has created a powerful modality that safely and effectively clears your energetic field. A Soul Balancing session can remove interference, heal trauma, and restore your hope. Contact Trixie for a life-changing long-distance session today, www.soulbalancing.world. Bradley Lockerman is my guest this hour, and we've been talking about the Searle Effect Generator. And if you'd like to get a copy of the DVD, Exonation, www.johnsearlestory.com. That's www.johnsearlestory.com. So where does it stand with John himself as to the, the development of the SEG or the rebuilding of the SEG to prove to the world that he is right, he can do it, and that it's not a hoax? Fortunately, they are presently moving forward, and uh, they recently had an effort in Thailand, Mm -hmm. which is still working, and um, the effort is now moving, as best I can say, to North America. Uh, My contention has always been, uh, John, we need something. We need something to show the people. Uh, You will see the mock-up in the in the film now the mock-up of course is to demonstrate those uh, properties of spinning magnets and uh, a sine wave magnetic field Uh, but john we need the rings and rollers doing something and it's been my contention that john needs uh, a laboratory he needs a uh, a set of uh, equipment and a set of materials and a certain period of time to get it done. But how did, he do it? Just, how did he do it before? Why can't he just make one the way, he did, one the way he did before? Ah, before he had access. When he, when he uh, built the, um, <clears throat> the ones in the mm-hmm. 1950s, he left British Rewinds, and then he was hired at the age of 21 as a foreman at Midlands Electricity. Interesting. Now he's he's uh, gets this job because he's clever in yeah. magnetics and electronics. Now he's made a foreman at 21, and Midland's Electricity. The, his boss said to him, "Look, John, people are laughing at you. You're talking about this flying disc and this generator, mm-hmm. and people are laughing at you. Now you gotta you gotta do something here. You either leave, you shut up, or uh, actually build it." And Searle said, and you'll see this in the film. Uh, I don't want to leave. I like my job. I don't want to shut up because I can't, and I'll build it. And so Midland's Electricity says to him, well, what do you need? He says, well, I need a magnetizer. I need an argon oven. I need certain materials. He says, fine, what else do you need? Well, I need neodymium, and I need uh, nylon. And uh, and they said, okay, we'll get all that for you. We'll all right, get I, it here. Right. You know what? We're going to have to have you back on to finish this story because we've run out of time for tonight. But I have to ask you this. Why didn't he just go to the Department of National Defense or to NASA or anywhere else and say, look, this is what I've got. I want to give it to the people of planet Earth. Oh, we'd never hear from him again. Why not? Why <laughs> not? I mean, I, you know, what are those things flying up there now that people can't explain? Maybe but, they're Searle devices. Maybe they did de-engineer them. I don't exactly. know. But I, I don't think we'd ever see him again if he went to uh, DOD or somebody. 
Listen, we've got to say so long for now. I want to thank you very much for coming on the show. It's been a great pleasure talking to you, Bradley, and I look forward to the next time you and I meet here in the X Zone. Quickly, give our listeners the the website that they can go to and get a copy of the DVD. Yes, the johnsearlstory.com. One word, johnsearlstory.com. And if you can and you care to, look at searlsolution.com for some more technical information. Rob, right, thank you very much and thanks, thanks to your audience. Thank you, Bradley. I'll be back on the other side of this uh, news break as we continue here in the X Zone on the X Zone Broadcast Network. Don't go away. <laughs> 